All right. Welcome to Prop Talk. Again, we don't even keep track of what number it is anymore, but... We do when we post them. It's in the bio. That's true. That's true. <laughs> so I don't have to keep track of my head, which is awesome. So I'm Chris Call, as usual, uh, with Mikey Trudell. Um, I'm the chair of the Property Masters Guild, education chair, that is. Um, and Mikey is also part of the Property Masters Guild as well. Today, we continue our master series from the 2023 awards season with Property Master and PMG member Joshua Bramer, whose film Everything Everywhere All at Once won the Art Directors Guild Award for Production Design in the Fantasy category, an award you should be sporting on your mantle, <laughs> <laughs> but we'll get into that. Um, E-E-A-A-O, do you call that that? That's... Uh, yes, E E. Actually, we when we were originally doing it, it was just E E A O. Nice. <laughs> we didn't we didn't leave the at. <laughs> Excellent. It also took took home seven Oscars. By yeah, the way. I was <laughs> saying it kind of swept house at the Academy Awards. Just this saying, year. but that this is why you're here because of your involvement with the production design department. Um, besides that, Behemoth, which we will get into, Josh's recent credits include the last the latest season of Euphoria which is fantastic. Um, Olivia Wilde's Don't Worry, Darling. The Stunning Blonde, which I can't wait to talk about. And most recently, Candy Cane Lane, which I'm sure you can't talk about. <laughs> <laughs> but um, Josh has been in the game for what I thought was a hot minute. Turns out you've been building your craft for about 15 years. I, I have to say that your, your, credit, or your credit, your resume is very impressive. Um, in the sense that you've mastered across every genre there is in both features and television. You have 85 credits listed on IMDb, uh, and your credits include drama, action, fantasy, sci-fi, comedy, gaming series, rom-coms, horror, thrillers, monster movies, period biopics, cop shows, medical shows, talk shows, and a bunch of shorts as well. <laughs> Uh, so, hi, Josh, and welcome to Prop Talk. <laughs> and, uh, can you explain yourself? <laughs> um, my name is Joshua Bramer. I'm a property master in the, the PMG. And uh, explain myself. I'm from, uh, <laughs> I moved out here from Michigan uh, about, uh, it's going on, I don't even know now, 2009. What's that, like 15 years? Right. <laughs> um, yeah, it's been a roller coaster ride. Uh, this last year was just. Uh, phenomenal for work to come out doesn't yes. normally happen like that but yeah, it was you kind uh, of blew up <laughs> yeah i saw you posting a lot of stuff when a lot of the stuff was coming out because it seemed like it seemed like you had like five movies come out almost at the exact same time so i don't know how like in order of shooting it's like i was like when does he have time to do all this or has it was there a lot of these movies that were just on hold for a while or yeah uh, uh we filmed blonde in the summer of 2019 um and that one i mean it had its setbacks they they wanted to release it at uh i think it was cans originally and because of the scenes that were involved in the movie it was going to get an nr17 rating mm. and when you release a movie at cans one of the stipulations is it has to have a theatrical release in italy for a month and they didn't want oh, to put their film, I guess, this is the rumor mill or from sure. people that I know close, uh, that they didn't want to have that film in uh, theaters with an NC-17 rating. Mm. So once it was, you know, they kind of met those guidelines and was able to release it, then they did it. So it was it was always on hold. And like any person that I knew that worked in Netflix, like, when is it when is it coming out? I really want people to see this. Um, that, that kind of, it was on the back burner for a long time. And then everything, everywhere, all at once, we filmed that. I filmed that right after. 
Um, I started prep in November of 2019, and we started filming of January 2020. Oh. And then, then we filmed for <laughs> yeah, we filmed for three months, and our our actual last day of filming was um, March 13th, Friday the 13th. Whoa! So you the, got it the day before yeah, the world shut down. Yeah, we had one day left of filming, and that was all green screen VFX stuff. Wow! And we never got to film it. But like I remember our last day of filming, we were downtown Los Angeles filming the um, uh, uh, like the South Cor- or the all the China like the premiere with all the extras right. and the, the 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 city street where Key and Michelle were out there in the rain, and it was it was like really surreal because we were moving so fast. It was almost like we didn't have time to think about what was going on in the world. Mm. But I remember there was like a scene where the Daniel was like, "We want we want to do a thing where she like." Coughs up macaroni, which never made it into the film because they cut out all the macaroni noodle boy stuff. Okay. Uh, but I was like, yeah, let me go to the store. So like I ran around the corner to this like little convenient bodega. Right. And they had gotten rid of almost everything in there. And all it was for sale was like toilet paper. <laughs> so I was like, wait, what is going on? This is crazy. And I bought my macaroni, but I also bought like a ton of toilet paper. Cause Good it was like, job. <laughs> yeah, I was like, half of the crew doesn't have toilet paper, I'm assuming, because I heard that they were running out. But So I bought that and I was like handing it out to people just in case they didn't have the chance to get anything yet. But I remember there was like the week before they, I went to the bar with uh, the producers and the Daniels and we were just sitting there like, did you hear the rumor that Daniel Radcliffe got COVID? They're like, oh man, that guy can't get it. He's like a smoker. Like this is this is the end of the world. And they're like, no, he didn't get it. I texted him because they had done uh, Swiss Army Man with him. Right. And we're like, they were like, yeah, we're we're not sure what to do. Like, should we shut down? And um, they're like, we're thinking about sending out like an email. Like, do you guys want to keep going? What's going on? So we ended up powering through it until that day, and then we were just like, we gotta, we can't. The industry's shutting down. So it was, it was kind of scary. Amazing. It was like, I remember the last day I just was like handing out PPE to like anybody that needed yes. it. I was clearing out my kit, like masks, anything, just giving it out to people. Cause I was like, they were my friends and we were all worried. So right. I think we all did that too. Mm-hmm. I know I sent like three boxes of PPE to the local hospital. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. I did that. Yeah. yeah, I did too. <laughs> nice. So. You started in the sound department, is that right? Yeah, when I went to film school, I kind of gravitated towards like sound mixing. I really liked mm-hmm. it. Where'd you go to film school? The Los Angeles Film School. Oh, okay. So you came here to go to film school? Yeah, I, I didn't really know anything about filmmaking when I first got in. You know, like I, I knew that I wanted to do it, but I didn't know how to do it or what to do. Sure. And I, I applied to that school and was like, oh my gosh, I got in. <laughs> and traveled across country with my brother. I actually have a twin brother. Um, he works in the industry too. He's a uh, makeup artist. Oh, great! So, Did he go to the same school? No, he <laughs> went to Mud Makeup Designery in Burbank. Got it. <laughs> so, it was always like a competition. I was in film school, and he was doing background work, but he was working like six days a week. So he was like sending me photos of like I'm on Warner Brothers, I'm on Universal. I'm like, stop doing this. You're gonna give me anxiety. Um, <laughs> but yeah, when I was, I I, I just kind of gravitated towards sound mixing. I liked that like post audio and like onset sound mixing and just finding that beautiful audio and like the, those right moments. And when I was in film school, we had a, um, like, like a rental department that you could check out equipment. Right. And I would just rent equipment and go do my own projects. But I was like taking like Craigslist ads just to like learn how to do it and just mixing shorts for people. And, and I, I really liked it, but it ended up like towards the end of the, the, when I was done with school, I was like, yeah, I kind of want to do this. And I just started reaching out to like sound mixers and stuff. 
and uh, I actually I, I emailed Mark Ulano. Uh, we <laughs> did once upon a time in Hollywood. Yeah, and uh, you went right to the top. Yeah, went right to the top, <laughs> and uh, he was actually um, his wife Petrushka. Yes. Uh, reached out to me, and she's like, "Hey, Mark's uh, in the Unreachable Desert on a movie called uh, Cowboys and Aliens," right. mm. and uh, he's like, "But yeah, no, we'd definitely love to sometime, you know, just like talk or anything." I'm like, "Okay, cool." And then like one day, um, Mark emailed me back, and he's like, "Hey, I I have a movie, and if you." Um, I, they can't afford to pay for you to come out there. You have to pay for your own room and board, your own travel and all your expenses, but it's a really top secret movie. Can't really talk about it, but it's filming here. And like, I immediately knew that it, what it was because it was, it was super eight. Wow. And, um, he's like, yeah, if you want to come out, you know, you can be a, a you know, what, like a, a sound PA. And I was like, I had just graduated. I'm like, I can't, I can't afford it. Like there's, there's no way. And then I just kind of, um. Didn't go down that, but I stayed in touch with Petrushka and Mark, and yeah, they're good people. Still Man, good people. You missed out on a lot of money by switching gears to prop. I know, <laughs> I know, I know. But you have to do the boom pull. I mean, I, oh, yeah, I, that's I feel, true. I feel for boom operators. Yeah, there. Oh my gosh, I, the um, the on the additional photography. Um, the sound mixer is my friend. His name's Ben, and he's like, I just spent one hundred eighty thousand dollars on all new equipment. I'm like, jeez, wow. yeah, like. Like, but they also get really good kit rentals. Really I mean, good kit rentals. Um, depending on what street you're working for, I know Warner Brothers kind of hoses them because they make them rent their own stuff or Warner Brothers stuff. But yeah, yeah, I'm 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 glad I didn't go down that route. I mean, I really liked it, but I I found a creative outlet with props. And exactly. I kind of just fell into an art department working with a production designer, and then they needed a prop master because their crew wasn't really they were like we can't afford to work for a hundred dollars a day i'm like i just want to work I exactly. was that your first introduction to props you just jumped the first one was just prop mastering or no okay. i um I, I i remember i did this thing called all-star comedy jam with um uh who was it with it was like an hbo all-star comedy jam and i was just like a pa right and i was just like exhausted it was like the first thing i had ever done and they were like hey the production designer needs somebody to drive a truck to return some stuff can you do that I'm like i've never drove a truck before but you know what i'm down for one inning and then that led to working on this recreation for national geographic and then this and that and then a feature but i was like always the the art pa but right. i also was like the lead man also set dressing right so of course that whatever, whatever not, it took the non-union <laughs> world yeah. Yeah. yeah exactly and then actually that feature it was like the the second project I had done with them and it like flipped union and they were all like, yeah, we're doing this. It's going to be fun. Um, uh, yeah. Oh wait, we're all union. I'm like, what, what, what's going on with me? I'm like, I'm driving your truck. I'm doing all this stuff. They're like, well, you're the art PA. I was like, what, what is going on here? But I remember I called local 44 and was like, Hey, so yeah, I'm on this. They're like, well, what do you want to be? And I was like, I want to be a prop master. Like you should hold out to be a prop master. Um, because if you join, I mean, I'm really glad I didn't join then because I didn't know anybody. Sure. And I would probably, I didn't have the money to do yeah. it. <laughs> so it would have been just like, it would have been a waste. I mean, but I, I, I appreciate the learning from the bottom and learning all these different things. Makes a huge difference. Yeah. Being by myself for the longest time, not having any assistance, not having a truck and having to learn how to prop a, an entire feature film in one week. And <laughs> Well, I see that in your resume. I mean, it, like I said, it's so diverse. And I'm, how many years did you do non-union before you actually got in? Um... Well, I've been in the union for nine. Uh, I think it was like 2013 or, uh, yeah, 2013 or no. Yeah. 2014 was when I, when I joined and 
it was like five years, five years of non-union stuff, but it was like back to back. Like I remember just like having the truck lift gates going down and it was like word of mouth spread about me being like a nice person and everybody was just recommending me and then, you know, and, and I never was, I, I never turned anything down. Like I would, it always worked out. I'd always have two weeks off during the summer and that was it. And then two weeks for Christmas and I was just going from project to project to project to project and um, just kind of learning different genres and what it took to, to make movies. It was, exactly. It was my own kind of film school, I guess. <laughs> well, let me rewind you to your childhood. So where, where is there anybody in your family that was involved? I mean, what, what um, prompted you to be interested in the film industry? Um, no, nobody in my family ever worked in the film industry. I, I've always loved movies. Um, Mm -hmm. I loved the magic of movie making and my favorite film was like Jurassic Park and Mm -hmm. like, like anything Steven Spielberg, I just, it was something I gravitated to. Something big and cinematic. Yeah. Yeah. I, I always loved watching like HBO would do this thing at the end of their, um, or like it was like a half an hour segment of like behind the scenes and like watching how they made Terminator two. And it was almost like a, like a, a, it was like something watching something I shouldn't know about. Like it was like, because it always came on late at night, but I would learn how they did these things. And it was just, it was like awe inspiring. And as a kid, I always felt like um, I'd watch like magic shows on TV and I'd like see people flying and I always thought that flight was real. Like I thought that people could fly because I'm like, obviously this mag- magician's doing. And then when the movie Hook came out, I'm like, this is real. Like the, I don't know how they made him fly. It doesn't look <laughs> fake. And it Amazing. felt so real. And then also like watching like the props and the different, like the way that filmmakers would create these worlds that put people in a different place for an hour and a half. You didn't think about anything else about, you know, being engaged with these characters that you wanted to root for. So it just, I've always had a, like a love for movies and just seeing like it, it took you to a different space. And, um, then I kind of, I loved making things. So like I'd always make my Halloween costumes and I would just craft things. I'd take my broken toys apart and put them back together and figure out what was wrong with them. And, even if I broke something, I would just always try to fix it. I never threw anything away because I, I was raised by my grandparents and my yes. grandma's just a natural hoarder from the Great Depression. So right. <laughs> she always, <laughs> we can't throw it away. We have to fix it. Or we'll, even if it's broke, we'll put it in a garbage bag and we'll store it in case you need it sometime. So I, I still have like all my phones from my childhood. I have like everything. It's all in my, in my house back home. And I think that's where I get the, I mean, the, the pr- perfect uh, job for a hoarder right, is a prop, prop master. Gene. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> So what, what point did you decide this is, I'm going to pursue this? Um, I was in, uh, in college, uh, I was majoring in business administration and there was a class that was called creative thinking for business. And the teacher was like, where do you see yourself? And they did that. Where do you see yourself in 10 years? And I was like, well, I wanted to open a bar, but I really want to work in the film industry. I don't know what it'll take. I don't Mm -hmm. know what, what I would do, but like I drew a picture of myself. This was 2008 and I drew myself a picture of myself like under the Hollywood sign great and then we had to do a project where we had to do 100 101 things before we die and I made this giant film reel that you could pull out and each one was like a different thing and I made like a slate and it was like my birthday like that's when my <laughs> life started it's a movie and then um extreme makeover home edition like right. came to my town that was like a half an hour away and i went to the set and i was like this is so crazy like everybody's got like california license plates i want to work on this show and like one of the pas was like oh my gosh uh or i asked him i was like how do i get on this and like well the crew's staying at this hotel and they check in every morning there and like just go see if they need any pa help 
So I went over there and they were like, yeah, you can come, you know, here's this, send this paperwork, do this. And I ended up just going and working on Extreme Makeover Home Edition. Wow, they let you on? <laughs> that's brilliant. Yeah, they they didn't on. tell you it was a mayonnaise commercial? No. And I was, I mean, it was like doing weird stuff, like taking the labels off water bottles and handing them out to the crew. Oh, and then yeah. like being one of the people I'd put on the blue shirt and I was like, making Legos and all this stuff. And they bring the camera crew in and like film us like we were workers. And it was just weird to see like the, the secret project. It wasn't sure. a secret project. They were just like all doing it all right there. And they right. just, with the magic of filmmaking, they just showed that. And then when they're like, let's move in the furniture, it's already all completely done two days ahead of time. Right. And they just bring out furniture and just pretend to move it in. So it was like watching that behind. I was like, "This is all fake. Like this wasn't real. I was lied to." And you know, with those makeover shows, especially, <laughs> they can't fly. Yeah, no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. It was. It was just getting to see that, and I was like, "I want to move to California." And then I ended up coming out to L.A. for two weeks for spring break that year, and I just came to Hollywood in Los Angeles and saw it. And I've always been in love with California. And then I was like, this is where I got to move to. And I went back home, started applying to film schools. And I was going to come here by myself. And then my brother was like, I'll come out there with you. So he did. We did you graduate with that other major? I did. You I got did? A, I got a, it was like an associates in, in business. I mean, I was taking my time. I wasn't like going full time. I was kind of just messing around, just going to right. school, not knowing what I really wanted to do. But yeah. Where, I, where in Michigan? Uh, I'm from a town called Owasso. Um, it's like halfway between Flint and Lansing. Okay. About a half an hour each way. We measure everything in um, time, not <laughs> distance, right. <laughs> because it's always more of a constant. Was it a sure. small town or? Yeah, it's pretty yeah. small. It's like, uh, like probably like 20, 30,000 people. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. Wow. Um, so, I, again, you did a lot of non union, and did you do a lot of things that weren't in? props before you started doing props i mean i i see you some um did some prop assisting but before that like when you were doing non-union did you just do whatever nope i only i only did prop mastering when i was non-union it was i actually i didn't really even know any other prop masters there was like the 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 i did this like night of the living fred movie and I remember like going to pick up the props for that. But I was like, again, just like an art PA. And I honestly didn't know what the prop master even did when I was on that. And um, it was just so fun. Like I remember just like seeing those things I'm like, oh my gosh, I really want to do that. And like being away from set and not being part of it, it just felt like I'd show up and be like, who are you? It's like, I'm, right. I'm, I'm Josh. I'm, I don't know, I'm part of the art department. <laughs> uh, you don't really get to see me on set. So it was like, um, it was like that. Like I, I just... Once I started, I mean, I had no idea what I was doing when I first started. I'm like, I don't know how to do a, like, what's a breakdown? I don't know what are the list, exactly. who's going to give me the list of props. So like, I didn't know reading the script and breaking it down. No one taught me any of those things. It was almost like a, you're in the wild. Oh, you got to learn how to, <laughs> yeah, you got to learn how to make a fire, learn how to build a, uh, uh, a, uh, um, a house. Like it was, it was, you just kind of learn. I remember my first feature, I like had a panic attack. <clears throat> Cause I'm like really bad at like, um, uh, proofreading my, my work. And I remember I had to make like this letter and the director was like, Oh my gosh, there's so many misspellings. We can't show this. on camera." I'm like, I don't know how that would happen. Oh my gosh. But it was, it was, I'm still really good friends with that director. And that was like t forever ago. And he was like, you know what? Just, it's not a, it's not a big deal. We can get this, you know, you have enough stuff here that we can shoot it and then we'll go in for an insert. But that was nice. Yeah. No, he's, he was really amazing. And that, I mean, I, that, that director taught me a lot. Not, I mean, I was also making, I think like 
fifty dollars a day. Of course, but it wasn't like you yeah. know they're you know they're getting what they're paying for. But it was um, he just he was very understanding. Like it wasn't like he was making this giant feature and you know everything revolved around this little thing. And I mean, I at that time I don't I didn't have a kit. I didn't even know what a kit was. Like I was just kind of showing up with the the props and making sure I had it. But it, thankfully, I had my own printer and a laptop and. Right. I was able to remake That's it. That's your kit. Yeah. <laughs> I brought it from home. Like I, yeah, I just, exactly. That's how we all built our kit. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So it was just like one of those, like learning from your mistakes. And, you know, in a lot of times they weren't mistakes. They were just what you thought was correct. And then you learn what it actually was supposed to happen and how it was supposed to happen. I mean, even to this day, I make smelling errors in most stuff. It's, I wish that was like a, a skill that I had was looking at something and not being able to be like, oh, there's a letter wrong there. I I could. I make spelling and grammar errors on all stuff. I need to have to four, this day. Yeah. I get chair backs wrong. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, and I, and I think I check them all the time and then I send them and they come back and I'm like, oh, dude, that's wrong. And I'm like, and I check with Sherry at ISS and she's like, no, that's what she sent me. Yeah. <laughs> like, yes, it is. Okay. So sorry about that. Yeah. I don't know what, like. I cannot look like I could have a misspelling and I could miss it and like 10 people will miss it and it'll just take that one. It's like, oh, that's spelled wrong. I'm like, how did nobody else see this? I'm like, exactly. I, it looked normal to me. Like when I looked at it every single time, I peeled those letters on the vinyl. I looked at it and it still looked normal to me, but <laughs> I it, now I can't unsee it. Yeah. <laughs> and you're not going to be the only one to notice it. So it was, it's, I hate that moment. And it'll it'll always haunt me every single every time I make something with spelling I'm like someone else with good grammar has to look at this because exactly. to me it looks normal and perfect. So well, and you look at something for so many times that you know you hold on somebody's okay, um, <laughs> but you look at you're you know you're too involved in it sometimes yeah. and you don't see well I I again I think I said this I don't know if I if I'm already repeating myself on these podcasts but uh, when I did American Pie. Um, I have a uh, misspelling that is on camera. You could still go back and see it. What is it? And it's a and it's a classic one. Okay, it's the scene where Jason Biggs is, yeah, comes <laughs> in and he finds the pie from his mom. Yeah, and, and there's a note that she left him. It says, "Apple, your favorite." Okay, so on the day, I'm like, you know, my whole crew is all dudes, and I'm like, well, I have to have a, like a woman's signature, or mm-hmm. you know, we're handwriting for this. So I asked the woman who played his mother, can you write this card for me? She's like, okay, she writes it. And then she gives it to me. We put it in. We shoot it. We insert it. The DP, the camera operator, script supervisor, the editors, yeah. ev- nobody The amount of hands it, it makes. It was for- spelled U-O, wait, Y-O-U apostrophe R-E. Oh. Oh. <laughs> so it's like, you are. You are. You're, yeah. you are. I'm like, oh my God. And, oh. and somebody, of course, you know, called me out on IMDb for it. I was like, the oh. internet. Yeah. It's under, it's under like little trivia. I mean, you can't miss it. I mean, it's like 10 feet tall on the screen. I but, mean, luckily, that's a movie to where it's a little slapstick anyway. <laughs> sure. The mother was an idiot. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Oh gosh, fun, fun times. But uh, yeah, it, it is. It's also something that haunts me. Yeah, all the time. I'm like, somebody please look at this. Right. What? How, how did you move into the union world then? What? Yeah, what was your first um, union gig? What's your union story? <laughs> uh, I did a movie with the costume designer, and then she was like, "Hey, there's a movie that we're going to be doing with this production designer," and. Um, 
when we got on it, they were like, it's probably going to flip Union because this is like the fourth one they did. I think it was a Lifetime movie. Mm-hmm. And when I got on, they, uh, yeah, it. <laughs> everybody signed the Union cards. I guess like the, the people that were funding it were just like Chinese billionaires. They're like, we're not going to let them get away with this one. <laughs> and <laughs> then uh, they everybody passed around the cards and we ended up uh, forming a strike line. And <laughs> we, wow. we ended up flipping it Union. Um, but on that movie, I got... I had already done, I did like a week on this movie called The East, um, but unbeknownst to me, it was Union, and I didn't know it was Union. Okay. The production designer hired me, and uh, I guess it was like a it was like a big feature. It was like a, a Ridley Scott movie <laughs> wow. with Skarsgård, and, um, but I, I remember like the last day, they're like, all right, everybody, turn in your time cards. I'm like, where's like the invoice for the the, the, the dailies for 150? They're like, this is a Union movie. I'm like, oh, uh, what if we don't know our rate? <laughs> so I ended up getting like, I think like nine days on that. And then um, I started on that feature and I ended up getting all 30 of my days. But when uh, they negotiated the contracts, they changed my title to 44 Swing. Oh, and no. I, yeah. Really and good. I didn't know that they did that until I got my last paycheck. And I was like, oh, I'm going to go get my union and do all this stuff. And it was like 44 Swing. So I called the producer and like, we're like, well, we didn't feel like we should have had to pay you the same rate as oh. the production designer because they had negotiated all department heads, got a flat $30 an hour kind of thing. Sure. I'm like, oh, cool. But uh, I signed a contract saying I was the prop master on this film and I was the prop master. So, and I went through hell because you guys didn't have an onset dresser and it was just right. me. And um, and then the union got involved. They grieved them like three ways for, you know, changing my title and sure. all this stuff. But um, it never, it never ha- nothing happened. Um, they ended up releasing the film. I think it was like a year later. I think my days ended up falling off. But then I uh, ended up calling the payroll company. I was like, look, can you guys reissue my checks? But also tell you that I was a prop master. I don't want any reimbursements. I don't care about the money. Uh, I just need it to say that I was a prop master on your film. And then I turned that into contract services. And they, or actually Local 44 let me join. but before i was actually in with contract services like you've done enough work but the 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 catch-22 was i still couldn't work on union projects because i wasn't in with contract services so like with that local 44 joining that and um having my pay stub say property master they they were like we've never done this before but we're gonna approve all your days nice because you did earn them and you should have got them and uh yeah it was it was a joyous occasion i think i actually uh uh, called Petrushka <laughs> that day because I would I, I she was like kind of like my shoulder to talk to because she was like one of my only kind of union like or like people that worked in the industry right. that had been through a lot then I was like oh my god I got in she's like yay so <laughs> it was uh, it was very joyous I was very excited for it and it was just like one of those things because I remember um, going to ISS and um, uh, 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 what Linda, Linda Montana, <laughs> Linda Montana. Every, are you union yet? Oh man, <laughs> are you Linda union Montana. yet? I know somebody needs an assistant. Are you yeah. union yet? And then the day that I got, it was actually Halloween. Um, but like the day after, I was I was working on something. I went in there and it was like Linda's last day party. I'm like Linda, oh. I'm union. And she's like, that's cool. I'm not working here anymore. Yeah, I'm like, yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> you know anybody? She's like, well, I, I, I gotta go. I'm like, oh, Linda. Yeah. Oh, no. wow. She was, she was my person there too, and then I know, left right? as I got in. Yeah, <laughs> so I was like, no. I, I was like Linda. You know, you could if you're lucky, you could see a Linda sighting when you drive up and you see her on her horse sometimes. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. really? Yeah, oh, across yeah. the street? Yeah. <laughs> somebody recently, I think it was, I, I, I forgot who it was, but somebody posted. Mm-hmm. I saw. I just ran. Look who I ran into. Yeah. And there's a picture of Linda Montana. On yeah, her she, horse. she used to have those horse figurines all around uh-huh. her. Yeah, yeah, absolutely she was the best <laughs> she was yeah that's great so yeah the walking into iss as a union prop master for the first time <laughs> <laughs> yeah and linda i'm leaving that's <laughs> right <laughs> changing of the guard yeah <laughs> that's amazing um so again your resume is filled with both television and features do you have a preference um, I mean, I've, I've really kind of just assisted on, on, on TV, which I'd rather do. I mean, I, TV is, is, is a beast of its own. Right. Um, I love assisting. And that was like when I first, when I first went union, um, I didn't really want to jump into big union features. Yeah. I just wanted to assist. And I, the first person that I reached out to was Scott Bauer. Okay. Oh, um, awesome. <laughs> because I had done a feature, uh, with a, a first AD that, he, that was first dating the first season of um, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And I was like, hey, we got a friend in common. If you ever need any help. And I remember, um, I think I reached out to him before I was union. He's like, yeah, when you go union, just let me know. And I think like a month later, that's when I was like, hey, Scott, you know, I'm union now. If you ever need any help. And then like a week later, he was like, yeah, I need a day player. I'm like, okay, cool. So the, and that just kind of cemented a relationship that I've known Scott for, you know, seven, eight years now, nine years now. Brilliant. And it's... Uh, it's, it was fun. And I loved learning from prop masters. There's so much that I didn't know. Sure. And at any time anybody needed a prop master, I was like, yeah, or an assistant. I was like, I would love to, I would love to do that. Um, and it's not just a, you know, a break from being a prop master, but we get to use our skills on set and learning that, you know, just because I'm an assistant, like, I don't want to, I'm not, I'm not there to be the prop master that they're not. I'm there to make that prop master look good because that, prop master is going to get his next job and potentially hire me. And, you know, that's, I, I, I loved doing that for somebody, helping them yeah. out in any capacity and making them look good. Seeing how other prop masters work, I think is super important to fine tuning yourself too. Cause I think that's what kept me assisting so long was just like every prop master is so different than the way that they work. And it's, right. I feel like this, I mean, there's no book on this job. Well, officially. that's the thing. It's always been that way, you know, uh, through a, a, a journeyman, you know, a apprentice situation. Right. I didn't have that, you know. I, I because I came up in the secondary market, so I was always the property master. There was a one guy that I assisted once in Pittsburgh, but I had to learn by trial and error. Right. You know, yeah. and and the very few times that I have assisted. Uh, props. It, it's been eye opening, you know. For a lot of times, people say, "Hey, do you know this prop master?" I'm like, "I don't know any prop masters." <laughs> okay, unless yeah. I run into them at ISS. Right. Okay, you know. So now with the PMG, I'm meeting them all. Yeah, <laughs> and it's fascinating. But yeah, I would imagine that 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 is the way to go, and that's the way we have to go, right? Yeah. I mean, that's mm-hmm. how everybody's going to learn. Oh yeah, and I I always get scared of like recommending people <laughs> because I'm like, <laughs> if you don't like them, because personalities do clash and. I mean, I feel like I'm like a, I, I, I'm a one size fit all. Like I can handle anybody's attitude. Like if you want to be mean to me, you can be, and I, I'm not going to snap back, but I will, you yeah. know, I'm, I'm very firm, but I also know like 
you know, how to do it. Like it's, I, and I'm also, I, I'm not above anything. I'm not, I would never do that. Like I love to, I love to experience new things. And even if I haven't done it and I'm willing to try and I'm willing to be like, I can't do that. Or I tried, here's, you know, what, do you have any notes? You know, I love, I love learning. So I always try to, if I have assistants that are new or scared or timid to do something like, I'm not going to force you to do anything. And if you feel like you can't do it, just let me know before I have to go out and buy a new one from the store, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so it's, it's, um, it's always, I always feel like I, you know, we're always learning. We're always learning. Exactly. We're always growing. And, um, I try to, I try to, if somebody is uncomfortable with doing something, I'll, I'll let them know I've done it before and this is how I did it. And then you can try my process or you can, I always, I always like to learn from failure. Yes. Like somebody. The best teacher. <laughs> yeah. I, and like, if somebody's like, that's not going to work. It's like, well, let me fail. So that I know that it doesn't work because I, I, that's the only way I'll learn. Sure. I want to not be able to do it and then try another way because I just, I have to. <laughs> so with doing television, do you miss being on set? Um, yeah and no. I mean, I, 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 I like I said, a lot of the TV that I've done, I was assisting, but like in like with Euphoria, that wasn't, I mean, it didn't even really feel like a TV show because it was like, I mean, we did eight episodes, but it was blocks. Um, and then it just kind of morphed into like a one big feature. And we had, interesting. yeah, we didn't, a lot of the times when we got our first, like our scripts, they were just um, department head only drafts. Mm-hmm. So like if anybody got their hands on those department head only drafts, their minds would be blown because it's not what we were filming and they were really pretty raunchy. Right. Um, and then we'd get our, our white lock scripts, but it was like the scripts were always changing. They were always changing. We'd get like a, I had one, one prop show and tell for that entire season and we had two production meetings. That's it. Um, and we'd have small little ones about like, oh, we need to do one about uh, the Fezco shootout scenes. So I was like, yeah, we definitely need to because we got to bring in a bunch of people for that. But it was um, like we'd, we'd have a schedule. We'd stick to it for a week and then it would just never be the same. Like we just kind of generally knew when we were filming things. But we were always working off the pre pre prelim, which would come out in the morning that they would just work off of and it'd get notes. And, you know, it was it was a very big team group effort. And a lot of the stuff kind of just fell into place. I knew what the color tones of the actors were. Um, Maddie wore purple. Cassie wore, you know, flower, floral. And Sydney, she wore pink. Like, it was just like we all kind of knew what we were going after. And I never really had to have prop show and tells with Sam, the director, because um, inevitably, if I showed him a prop, he'd go, which one would you like? Like this one. (laughs) So it, it was always, he knew that if I put a prop on screen, that it was accurate if it was a real life thing and it was something that i chose so you had the same director for every every mm-hmm. episode yep. same oh, wow. them, yeah um zen z was supposed to direct one of them but i, I think she ended up it was it <laughs> it was a little i guess that would make it feel like a whole feature sure. then, because he if your director can't be in any of the prep meetings or right anything, it's just right? like getting new pages all the time that Right. <laughs> yeah, it was. I mean, he he had the freedom of changing whatever you know. He was he was making it. He was the the mold maker, so he was able to make it however he wanted, and that was awesome. Like I I never like I think our last like two months, my calendar just had question marks. Like we didn't really know what <laughs> sure. we were filming because the last two episodes were kind of up in the air. And um, actually, the scenes where we were filming the the shootout was only supposed to take three days, and then ended up taking two weeks. But a lot of the scenes were they weren't a assigned to a scene they were just like scene question mark mm-hmm. tba tbd 
um, because inevitably, as you saw, the last two episodes were almost like part one and part two. Um, they weren't supposed to be like that, so they changed it. <laughs> um, it was supposed to end a lot differently. It wasn't supposed to be the way it is, and I, I think that's going to lead more into season three. Right. Um, it's uh, it was a it was it was interesting. I mean, it, I I like to work on projects that push me, mm-hmm. um, push me to create, push me to be um, to use my creative side. Um, with Euphoria, there was a little bit of creativity, um, but there was a lot of you know, it's the modern day. You can get it right. anywhere stuff that sure gets really like you're not building tedious. a lot on that show. Yeah, not yeah. not really. I mean, our special effects team, they, like I'd work with them on things that we needed to do, um, and I loved our set decorator Julia. She always knocked it out of the park. So we are always working hand in hand. But it was it wasn't too creative. The gun stuff is pretty cool though. <laughs> yeah, that was that was interesting. It was it was a lot of work. Yeah, Sam, I have my um, EF uh, EFP um, and. It was like in the beginning, I'm like, yeah, we'll just do airsoft. And Sam's like, I don't want an airsoft. I want the real thing. Like, but we're not firing it. I don't care. We're going to see it. I'm like, all right. But I have these Glocks that are really good replicas. Nope. Is this what it would feel like? He's like, well, I don't know if I'm going to want to have to chamber around in this. I'm like, okay. So it turned into every time we had a gun, it was a real gun or a a blank firing uh, prop weapon for my SS. And, um, I'd always have an armor. Didn't matter if we weren't filming it. I'm like, we're hiring an armor because I, my, my first team, um, assistants have more things to do rather. And I want there always to be someone assigned to that gun. So we'd always, I'd always bring in an armor. <laughs> Was this before the rust situation? Mm-hmm. Yep. Oh, okay. Yep. I wonder if that's going to be the case for like season three for them now, or if it's now he'll, he'll want real guns. Really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But but again, as we've discussed before, there's no reason why you can't have yeah. a real gun. It's true. And, and for actors, I mean, I get it. You want the feel of a real gun. It helps you totally get, get you there. It's mm-hmm. that small thing that can bridge you to that character. Totally. So It's starting to turn, like some studios are starting to have policies, though, on this, too. That You're starting to see more and more of that. Absolutely. There's a big discussion in the, um, in the union meeting that we just had not too long ago, too. They talked about like the bills that California is trying to pass. Yes. It's so ridiculous too. Right? Like <laughs> it's, it's, we've been doing this for so long that we know how to do it. Oh yeah. And it's, it's, it can, there's nothing, if you just have to have the right people and the right etiquette and the right first ADs and it, it can go off flawless. Like whenever we would do, when we did that, it, it went from three days to two weeks Right, and <clears throat> it went from, three police officers with handguns to 12 uh, SWAT teams with assault rifles and it, <laughs> a lot of rounds. Yeah. A oh. lot of rounds. And we had three armorers on set and we had no mishaps. There was exactly. N- because not only can it go without of a hitch, it always does. Yeah. Uh, 99.9% of the time, mm-hmm. everything goes because the protocols are there. They've been, you know, earned by fire. You know, people died to get there. Okay, but we uh, if you follow the pro- protocols, there's not an issue. So, you know, to, to discuss having more protocols is like, well, just follow the ones you have and we're going to be fine. Mm-hmm. You know, so, but yeah, it was something will flesh out of, of all of this as it should. You know, if, if it's for me, if it's taking the uh, the responsibility off the first AD and putting on somebody who doesn't have a conflict of interest. Yeah then I think that that's a good move. Definitely. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, I, I always, my armorers, they're in charge. Like, that first AD is there, but they are the ones. They are t- they are there. They call, the, they make sure the set's safe as soon as they're done firing. It goes right into their hands. It's, there's always protocols that you have to follow. And, you know, it's, 
I've always kind of been afraid of guns. I've always used airsofts and stuff. But the mm-hmm. more you learn about how a gun works and how, like, you know, with a Glock that you can't actually fire real ammo out of it because it would just blow up and never having real ammo anywhere near set and making sure that a professional is there to educate the people. Like a lot of people are just like, oh my gosh, I don't want to have to fire a gun. It's like you really just need to have the training, like yeah. anything. Like you aren't just going to exactly. one day decide to be a director and then all of a sudden you're doing a big budget movie. No, you have to learn how to do that stuff. You have to learn how it works. And it just, it's like driving a car. Like you aren't just going to get in and start racing down the highway. Right. Like you have to learn how to do it to be safe in a safe manner. So. Exactly. Which is why, you know, we take actors to the firing range or mm-hmm. take them up to ISS and let Larry take them through their paces or whatever. Yeah. I mean, it's all part of learning the character. Mm-hmm. So, um, and, and again, for property masters, I think it's important for all prop masters to get gun training, but if they don't feel comfortable and it's just something that they don't want to do, you, you know, you can bring in an armor mm-hmm. to do it and, and that's fine too. But the problem is when, People don't know what they're doing, and they're like, "Yeah, well, I'll just figure it out." Yeah. That's not a good. That's not no. a good plan. No, <laughs> not at all. Yeah, not at all. So, if you like the more, you, you mentioned that you like the creative proc projects a lot more, where you get to work a lot with your hands and build um, some things. What's your what's your like ideal um, project? Mm. Like genre wise, I guess. Uh, I like sci fi fantasy. Okay, I like to create like. If if it never exists in the real world right. and I have to make it up, yes. that's what I love. I love... You like to design. Yeah, so, I yeah, like yeah. to design, mm-hmm. and but I also really like period stuff because the, the research that you have to do and the fact that it already exists, but it doesn't exist now sometimes yes. is like a fun... It's almost like a scavenger hunt. Yes. And you can find anything online or if you have to have it recreated... Um, that's what's fun. Um, Blonde was like that. <laughs> I was going to ask you about that. That was one of my questions is Blonde was all shot in black and white. How did that affect your um, procuring props? Um, well, Blonde was a was a beast. It was um, it also was kind of a fight in the beginning, too. I did a um, camera test in uh, December of 2018 uh, with Anna and our production designer and a bunch of people. And that was kind of like the starting point of the feature. And we got to see where Anna was at with her dialogue coach and um, just kind of what the looks would look like. And then um, in, it was like June is when I think I started my prep. Um, I just dove in. Like there was, I wasn't going to expect anybody to be like, this is what we want it to look like. Uh, we want this and we want that. So I just... I, I just went full tilt um, looking and researching. And the thing about the film, it's actually based every scene, uh, the, the beginning of every scene, every frame uh, is based on a real life photo taken of Marilyn Monroe. Wow. So uh, nice. the when they do that like storyboard around the room of the scenes, everyone yeah. was a, a photo of Marilyn. And that's what we based our, our scene off of. And the director had like one thing that he was like, if, if it's in that photo, then we have to have it. So yes. I was like, okay, that makes sense. Um, but it was it was a weird situation on that film because I, um, the production designer that brought me on, uh, kind of butted head, heads a little bit with mm. our our director, um, not not like fighting or anything Just like that. Creative differences, <laughs> yeah, creative differences, and then they ended up um, letting everybody on the art department go and keeping the set decorator and bumping her up to production designer. Oh, wow. <laughs> and um, I had like a two-hour meeting with our director, um, going over my breakdown and my concepts and everything. 
and the the UPM was like, I don't know what you said to him, but uh, you're the only person he wants to keep. And he also said, do not touch Josh's budget because I was like, well, I dialed it in. I showed him what I'm spending on sure. and what I want to do. He's like, well, you're, yeah, we can't touch your budget. And you're, if you want to stay, I know it's a rock and a hard place. You can. So I ended up reaching out to the production. I was like, you oh. know, he's like, no, you have to stay. This is going to be a movie that you're going to love. You know, that's why I fought so hard for you because I wanted mm-hmm. somebody that would put the love into it. Nice. So it was, it was uh, a little rocky in the beginning, but it was, it was so much fun. Like getting to create the world of Marilyn and, you know, making like a, our, our uh, costume designer, uh, JJ, Jennifer Johnson mm-hmm. was amazing. And there would be so much, she's like, I'm really busy. Can you help me source a purse? I'm like, yeah, I'd love to. And I'd like found like a million different options that they weren't that one. And like the right. fo- some of the photo references that I'd have would be in black and white. Oh, so I'd, yes. <laughs> I'd have to find leather and then photograph each swatch and then see what would, cause it could have been green. It could have been blue, exactly. it could have been yellow. And we just would, uh, I had a purse made that was an exact replica of that one. And inevitably that purse actually got worn through almost the whole movie. Wow. And did uh, you ever find the re- a real, Kind of color scheme for it. Yeah, I mean, it looked like it when I photographed it black and white. And the the thing was, like, if the photo was in black and white, then the scene was in black and white. But they also shot it on a camera that they they almost shot the whole thing in color. Right. And then it could, but it also shot like I don't. That's such a good point because probably nobody ever saw it in color. Yeah. And it was, unless we colorized it, it was one of those things. But they, yeah, it was like a Sony camera that they shot in color and then they could change it at any moment to mm, black and white. So I see. It, it, it was, they had that freedom. Then it also did um, uh, infrared filming <laughs> in color. So I, I don't remember if it made it into the film, but like when there was like a scene where she was being abducted, it was the, when we actually shot at fifth Helena drive, the house that she died in, um, they made it like she was being abducted to get an abortion. But they, they filmed it in complete darkness, and we used infrared flashlights, uh, like the police were searching for her or right. the people that were abducting her. So then in the night, um, you could see her eyes, and they were completely dilated. So it looked like she was on drugs. Wow. <laughs> so, yeah, it was it was a really trippy thing. We used that, that method a lot to show um, her eyes being really dilated. Um, but, yeah, it took a lot of uh, research. And with uh, Marilyn's props, I didn't really want to rent them. Because sure. I, I knew they would exist, but I didn't want to have to like, you know, find it out of a bin or dig through this. So I would, I made a lot of stuff and there was a book that was, um, it was a Sotheby's auction house where they auctioned off all of her personal belongings. So mm-hmm. I was able to go through that and find the real thing, the brand, nice. um, for like her makeup case, which is on display at the Hollywood museum in, um, Hollywood and Highland. Mm-hmm. Um, I found the exact brand. It was a traveling salesman's case that was lined with like uh, a tan felt. And then I got all the ma- same makeup and filled it up and it was, you know, we ended up not really using that one. It was just like a, like a traveling case right. and all that stuff. And Whitey, her makeup artist, I had one specifically for him. And they were all, everything I would buy on like eBay, all vintage brushes. Yes. Um, I ended up finding um, in the book was a massage table that Marilyn owned. And I found the same exact one on eBay, the same color. Brilliant. And she was getting a massage in the film. And it was just so much fun yes. to create those. Those are those are such great moments when you're trying to recreate something and then you actually find it somewhere. Mm-hmm. It's, it's like, oh yeah, 
the 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 director had this like bible that was like references of everything and there was in the script there was a, a tiger that she got when she was 11 and in in his bible it was like a stiff posable tiger and i was like that wasn't from 1933 that that particular one came out in the 1950s so she technically wouldn't have that as a child he's like okay yeah no just whatever whatever she'd have and i was like well, here's this one. This is, um, you know, uh, World War II era. Something probably came from Germany. It was this laying down tiger. And in the script, it was striped because that was the photo that he sourced as a tiger. And I found it and he just fell in love. <laughs> and then it was my job to create four versions of it. So I, had a, I hired a doll maker to uh, basically cut the tiger apart, make a pattern out of it. And then I had uh I found this vintage molehair fabric and then this uh, vintage um, glass eye company down in Long Beach that Mm -hmm. that still had, you know, vintage molehair and had to get like seven different colors and it was, I had to have it dyed and then put back together and one of them had to look like it was survived a fire and it it was just so much, so much went into it and that, that, that prop was, there's always like one prop in a movie that usually goes through the whole thing and that was that one. And it was Andrew's favorite. Um, it was. I remember I texted him when I saw the first trailer. I was like, "Oh my god, you knocked it!" He was like, "I'm looking at the tiger on my shelf right now. You did amazing." <laughs> I'm like, "Oh, thank you." That's fantastic. Um, yeah. Uh, what kind of uh, prep did you have on a film like that? Um, I had ten weeks, and then, but I actually started a week early because I had to go home for a week for a wedding. Mm. And I, good thing I started a week early because I was able to get in there, do a ton of research, line every space on my wall with photos of Maryland and research photos. And then I had that production meeting. And then while I was actually back home, um, I got like a call from the line producer. And she's like, hey, we're actually shutting down. Netflix pulled the plug. Wow. Uh, because uh, we, we, they won't rewrite the script. I'm like, oh, that sucks. Okay. Um, all right. And then <laughs> I got a call like a day later. Hey, so yeah, Brad Pitt went to Netflix and said, you got to make this movie. It's gonna be the best thing in the world. And we're back on. I'm like, oh, that was a roller coaster ride. Cool. Whoa. And they're like, hey, actually he uh, let the art department go. So, <laughs> so it was like, uh, it was a fun <laughs> week while I was home for a wedding. Then I came back and just jumped right back in. But it was, yeah, like, uh, I had like nine weeks after I got back from my, my trip to, just try to hit it home and yes. figure all that stuff out and recreate her journals. and <laughs> Right, right. Well, that's like the unspoken thing that I think most prop masters, the minute you're on a project, I don't know about, I guess I'm speaking out of turn, I don't know, but for me, the minute I know I'm on something, I'm already, I'm yeah. researching it, mm-hmm. you know, because... Yeah. Every every second counts. Oh yeah, you know, and you and again that the research part of it, it's just so much fun. You you talk about doing a show that's contemporary, and you know you're getting everything on Amazon or wherever, mm-hmm. you know, and it gets tedious. You know, it's just like uh, this. There's no creativity in this whatsoever, really. But with something like a period film, where you have to find everything and 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 dig for it and and find what it looked like and all of the research I mean, that to me that's like the best part of the job yeah um, when you find out you're going to be working on something like that where there's so many points of reference i feel like like i'm sure automatically like all right i don't start for a couple of weeks but i'm going to start watching some maryland documentaries right. i'm going to everything like between all these streaming platforms there's going to be at least 60 things i can watch that's going to get me a little bit ready you know? yeah and i be i became a bigger fan of maryland just right. watching of her course. work because we referenced so many of her movies in in that movie 
I was like, I really like this. Like, why didn't I, why didn't I watch these before? Like, she was really a really good actress and like learning. I had to like basically transport to her. And I also, every time I, I ran the set as, on that movie as the prop master as well. So like every day I'd get to there and it was like, I got to hang out with Marilyn, Anna right. being Marilyn. Um, and it was, it was just so much fun, like getting to basically live that world through her as well. Exactly. Um, and then getting like the shock and awe of like, wow, this looks exactly like it wasn't like it kind of is, it yeah. is the same exact uh, Well, again, that's like back to my original question about the TV first versus features. That's the part about features that I miss a lot of times is when you are on set because that is a whole different culture. Mm-hmm. I mean, you are part of a family. You are part of the day-to-day, moment-to-moment process, and you build and create these relationships with the directors and the actors, and, and, and you're part of it. And and I miss that when I do television because mm-hmm. a lot of the t- sometimes I walk on the set and they're like, who's that guy? And I'm like, seriously? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, you know, and then, then you see your crew has that camaraderie and they're like a team and it's just like, I love that. I'm glad everything's happening, but I got a concept meeting, so I got to go. But, right. Um, Pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I try to be as involved as I can on set and getting to know everybody and saying hi. And, right. You know, well, even important. on TVs, you, you work out of your trailer, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do too. I, I don't know. Do you ever do that or you usually get a... As opposed to an office? As opposed to most... Like when I'm on location and set, I have mostly my office built out of the trailer and I'm always working on the trailer as much as I can. and taking on a as TV much show? Yeah. Oh, I see. As much as I can anyway. Yeah, I don't because I usually have to be where the director is, mm-hmm. you know, and I don't know. I, I I do have an office in my trailer, and when I do a feature, I'm in there all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, most of the time, my crew's like, what are you doing here? Yeah. <laughs> I know, I hate that. I, I, I usually, I will try to be with my crew as much as I can. Sure. Like, I'm, if, if it's like a regular, like, seven to seven or... Um, depending on how the shooting schedule goes, I always try to, that's my call time is their call time and I want to be there with them. And if I have to go and do stuff, I bring it, you know, Mm -hmm. um, it gets kind of hard when it's like these constant shifts. Like I mean, Foria, we were always either doing extreme nights six to six or, um, and I'd always push myself, (laughs) which I ended up getting really sick from doing that. But, um, it's, uh, it's a, I, I still like to be there, especially when the director has that connection with you. Like, where's Josh? I want to, I want to ask him if I can right. do this. Not, I don't want to go through someone else. I want to talk to the person that I'm going to get the, the best results with. Exactly. Yeah. It's a double-edged sword for sure. I mean, that's why I started doing television because I wanted to be home and have mm-hmm. a normal mm-hmm. life with my family. But again, the trade-off is not having that camaraderie. Mm-hmm. Does being in TV feel like it gives you more time with your family? I I do. I mean, I've gotten to the point in my career where um, I feel like I don't have to expend as much energy as I used to to get stuff done. And I have this Laura Eiler, my assistant, who I've been with for 15 years. I mean, literally, I wouldn't do a show without her. Yeah. Okay, because she's just as integral as I am. Of course. To it. And we have this language that's like unspoken. You know, I don't even have to tell her what to do. She's already doing it. Oh, yeah. You know, so that's fantastic. So we, and we're both committed to having a life, you know, and getting out of there. So if we're, if we're there past 6 p.m. on any given day, that's because something's wrong. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, we're just knocking it out. We're yeah. getting it done. So that part was, was great for, you know, for family life. That makes sense. So it is. It's tough. You know, it's, a, it, again, you... Earlier in my career, there was a point in my career where for two years, I didn't I didn't even ha- have a home. 
I was just on one road show after another. Yeah. You know, I just put everything in storage and just headed out. And that was fun. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I highly encourage doing that when you're young. Yeah. Well, I think I've passed that point. Well, you, I just saw your, your photos from your six weeks vacation. That was oh, yeah, yeah. Sweet. That That's how I I'm would glad you got sweet. that in before the baby came. Yes. Yeah, that's my weakness, I think, compared to, to Josh, because he's like, I just wouldn't take any time off or turn any job down. See... I'd work seven months and then I'd turn everything down. I know. <laughs> like, I'm tra- Smart man. I'm I traveling travel. the world. <laughs> I want to travel so bad. I'm. I'm. After this feature, I'm. I'm going to try to go home for a couple of months because then. Um, I mean, but it all depends. I, I, I've been getting a lot of offers and I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> I, I kind of want to, it's, I, I don't like to digress. Right. And, well, <laughs> take it from an old dog. You could burn your whole life away. Never go anywhere. I've never been to Europe. Yeah. Really? No. I want to go to Europe. So okay. Bad. Cause Whoa. I've just been working nose of grindstone for, you know, 30 years. So I, I highly encourage you to keep doing what you're doing, Michael and Josh go on vacation yeah <laughs> no, I, I, need a, I need to book a trip and just like work around that because it's exactly <laughs> you know because you know there will always be a job yeah you know and for me it was always about oh well i can't take this time off and go home and visit because you know i have to keep working or or i can't take time off while we're shooting or something like that and it turns out yeah sometimes i could take three or four days ahead of a weekend and yep my crew can handle it Mm-hmm. And wow, that was like an epiphany for me, but it took a long time getting there. Yeah. Because, you know, we hold on dearly. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, I, it doesn't help when I get like calls like, please tell me you're available. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Like, eh, uh, like, and the, the, the additional photography, I'm like, I have another feature that might be coinciding. Like, oh, my gosh, no. Well, let me know as soon as possible. I'm like, I, I'm still Here's a solve for that. <laughs> Travel places where there's no cell phone service. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The stress is gone. <laughs> yeah. Well, if you ever need it, you know, looking for a job and you can't find one, just book a vacation. Oh, yeah. No, that's yeah, 100%. Yeah, that's ex- that's I, how many times I've had to, like, cut my vacation short to come home to start prep or prep from there. That's, I mean, I went, when I I'd finished Don't Worry Darling, and I had booked a week trip to go skiing up in Tahoe, and while I was up there, they were like, hey, we need to, f- uh, I, I just gave your information to Euphoria. They really want to talk to you. I'm like, okay, but I'm on vacation sure and i think i i had i um facetimed with the um executive producer from one of the ski resorts <laughs> he's like hey yeah you came really high recommended i know like six people that all know you and they all said yes you'd be dumb to not hire josh so uh if you want the job it's yours i'm like when do i start like next week like monday i was like okay i guess i'll only have a week <laughs> off yeah. you know and that went from that i think it was like uh it might have been like beginning of march until december i was like oh gosh <laughs> Was Don't Worry, Darling, your first period film? No, I had done um, uh, Blonde. Since oh, Blonde was before mm-hmm. that. And, yeah, it was like a, it was, it was weird. I was like, I, I got on, I got asked, asked to do that. I'm like, oh, 1960s, 1950s housewife. This will be. I did Blonde. It'll be great. I was like, no, this is not. There's so much different genres of those time periods. Mm-hmm. Like Blonde was like Hollywood glitz and glamour, like beautiful. Um, you know, and this was mid-century modern right. Tom Ford, like desert oasis. Uh, it was a different world. Yeah. Um, don't worry, darling. And uh, Olivia, as a director, was amazing. She loved props. She loves That's always loves getting. Oh yeah. And I was like, well, this is how I work. I like to craft each character and give them things. I want you guys to have a world. I want you to have a backstory. I want you to feel like you. 
each person is their own designated character. Like that's what you guys are doing. You're putting your work into this character. I want you guys, if you need anything. So I just made a giant bag of like smoking accoutrements and rings and watches and sunglasses just to get her into the feeling. And she loved that. And when it came to, um, normally like our set decorators will do drinkware and Mm -hmm. a lot of stuff like that. I was like, let me, let me do it. I want to do the drinkware because I really want me and Olivia talking. She wants all these drinks that anybody's drinking to feel like you want to have like a a dirty martini. You want to have this tropical drink. And so I ended up uh, like going to Palm Springs and going to like the antique markets and just, if there was a set of drinkware that looked amazing, I'm buying it. Like I had so much drinkware because I didn't know at any, any time Olivia would be like, oh, I'm having a drink here. I'm like, oh, I have the perfect drink set. Nice. <laughs> so I, I know I love that too. Have you ever been to Barkeeper? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Such a good oh, yeah. resource here in town. They, oh, it was, it was just so mad. Like even with like the, the dining room scenes, um, I was like, I want to, I want to do the, the, the silverware. So I, cause I had to do like the, the cutlery yes. and the cookware. Yes. So I, I, I wanted to find something that felt cohesive and it, I ended up getting these like really beautiful, um, silverware that were like wood handled and they mm. were mid century with like a point and like everything felt like it could be used as a weapon, nice. um, at any given time. And it was just, it was so much fun to build those, all that, <laughs> the, the character. Yeah. Oh yeah. And I even like with our set decorator, um, working with her, like it was, she was like, yeah, no, I have a lot of work if you want to do that. <laughs> Cause a lot of the times like, Hey, can I get options? And they'll just get like one or two things and sure. I don't really have something to pick from. So I just wanted to make sure that we had something. Um, and I, I, I would just buy it even if, right. if, if there was something that I found that was cool. Cause you never knew if you were going to be able to use it. So, right. And you never knew when something was going to come up, even if it wasn't scripted. It's like, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. again, I once upon a time in Hollywood, I had to literally download my trailer because everything is contemporary yeah. and refill it with everything period. Mm-hmm. Uh, same idea. Well, you know, cause again, they say, well, you know, quit might ask for this and you, and the answer is not no. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. So you just have to anticipate having everything that you would normally have in your trailer, but period. Mm-hmm. So, oh yeah. Yeah. I have, <laughs> I think my, my, now my storage unit is my, I have a giant area <laughs> of drinkware and now I have a giant area of period things, just you know, tennis rackets and golf clubs yeah. and <laughs> anything that you get, cameras, like anything that would be period. It's, it's like, it's like transforming into that now, which is, it's kind of nice. Cause then you don't have to, you know, if there's anything that's like, you know, like graphic wise, you can have like newspapers, bags, anything, right. um, you have it on disposal. Cause if you're on a period piece, like you can't just, I mean with don't worry, darling, there was actually a fun like they'd be like, oh, we want to add this uh, scene where somebody's gonna be cutting up fruit. I need uh, this, and I'm like, hey, Raphael, go to <laughs> go to the um, the antique or, mall <laughs> and just yeah. and find some things, and sure. we'd come back with like beautiful yeah. Donsk options, and <laughs> like I'm like, oh, cool. <laughs> it was almost like having a prop house at our disposal, but um, yeah, it was it was so much fun to get to craft that that world of everything in there. So and I and it, and because of the the this the don't worry, darling, like tweaked aspect of reality is it real is it not we had we always went with this um uh chris's character had like made this world so he crafted it what he thought a a mid-century modern housewife would have so there was always like little details of like modern stuff like the stob cookware that we were using Mm. or i think it was stob uh the like it was actually a modern cookware in that modern color but it actually was this, it never changed. And even like our, our, our knives that we used in the, um, the film, those were actually, I think pioneer woman <laughs> was wow. the brand from Walmart, wow. but it was that like <laughs> that, that beautiful, like 
um, uh, plastic handle that had like the two um, stainless steel dots in it, but it was like a turquoise right. color. And then I just put it into a uh, mid-century modern like cut rack. And nice. it was it was just so much fun trying to source those kind of things. Yeah, and absolutely. Getting the, the perfect drinkware. Um, we, we used the um, crystal, cut crystals. And right. It was just so much fun sourcing that. Yeah, I have a, a, an obsession with drinkware also. I don't know. Did you have this happen to you? On the winning time, I would like find the like most beautiful drinkware or whatever it was, you know, um, uh, some sort of uh, appetizer set or something like that. And I'm like, oh my God, this is fantastic. And then it would show up and it was broken. Oh, like ordering uh, it online? Well, no. no, getting it from eBay. You know, some, oh, yeah. some either some pe- on eBay people either overpack things, yeah, or they underpack it. And it was like, mm-hmm. wow, they literally just threw these glasses in a box with like yeah. four packing peanuts and shipped it off. And it's like, and it's broken. Oh my god, I. Yeah. I didn't really order a lot on eBay when it came to drinkware because I kept running into the issue where they would photograph it and it'd look full size. Right. And then it'd that, come and it'd be like a, yeah. a tiny the cup. miniature. Yeah. I'm like, what the? Yeah. I was like, yeah. What is this? It was like an espresso cup. Like, what is going on here? I'm like, I'm not ordering anything more offline. Yeah. Yeah. There was a learning curve to that. Yeah. Too, it's like, if there's nothing to a reference point, reference, yeah. you know you're in trouble. Or So, yeah. I've, I've, we did that the hard way, too. Yeah. Palm Springs, anything. Oh, right. I, you shot the whole thing out there? Uh, all of our exteriors was Palm Springs. And then, um, like, our house. And then a lot of the interiors were all on soundstage up here in Santa Clarita. Oh, cool. Nice. Um, yeah, it was it was so much fun uh, getting out to Palm Springs and being out there for a couple of weeks, especially with like Harry. <laughs> he brought the fans. They came out in the hundreds when they started I'll finding bet. out that we were out there. They had to have like police barricades set up. Oh, and my God. Harry would go yeah. out there every now and then just give him a peace sign. It would just erupt. Right. Like he it was weird, too, because it was like, I know Harry as Harry. And but like his fans know him as Harry Styles, the the, sure. the pop superstar, it's a completely different person. Oh my gosh! And he's one of the nicest people in the world. And I and I could I could tell that like coming to set and not being hounded for autographs or like trying to be secretive, like right. it was like a break for him. Exactly. So I always treated him like a human, and he tried treated everybody else like that. Yeah. When that happened to me on Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, you know, when you work with superstars, you see what their life is really like and how they literally don't have a life. Mm -hmm. I mean, like on Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, when we were shooting on Hollywood Boulevard or Sunset Boulevard, you know, they would have the base camp and they would have to set up all these tents in blackout everything because the paparazzi were everywhere Mm -hmm. at all times. And I'm like, wow, that is not a fun way to live. No, that's what I said. I was like, oh, did you ever be an actor? No. Yeah. Mm -mm. Hell no. Not not that big. No. (laughs) I I ran set on on Don't Worry Darling too. And I I would like, purposely stay away like because i'm like i don't want to be there was just so many like paparazzi cameras like i didn't want to be in that and it was like all these there was like don't worry darling spoiler accounts that were being created so they were just out there like taking these photos and i just kind of wanted to stay away from it i didn't want it to you know feel like that because on blonde it was like that i'm like being right there next to anna always you know i had to there was so many things that she was carrying and taking off and her sunglasses but like with harry he just liked to wear it all so i didn't have to worry about it too much a lot of it like his his watch was his personal rolex and so a lot of that stuff was it was nice and he was such a, a great person so let me ask you about that. So <laughs> I'm always so hesitant about allowing. What that. do you? I mean, do you do you ever fear like do you have backup? Even though, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Uh, I had uh, originally um, 
I think our costume designer was the costume designer on Once Upon a Time. Oh, Ariana uh, Phillips. Yep, yep nice. Ariana. Um, I remember I was like, hey, if you guys meet with like Chris Pine or any of those guys, uh, you know, ask them what they want to wear as a watch. And I think Chris's choice was like the moon landing um, Rolex. <laughs> <laughs> and then they told me Harry wanted to wear the um, uh, Space View um, uh, the the one with like the skeleton face and you can see through it. The, oh uh, yeah yeah yeah. Um, and then I like sourced those and then Neville was like, I don't want this watch. I'm like, someone was lying to me here. So Harry's uh, <laughs> like, I'll just wear one of mine. I have a, a perfect Rolex. So it was beautiful. I'll show it to you. I'm like, oh yeah. And so I ended up talking to his assistant. I'm like, can you just send me a photo? I right. gotta get a match for this just right. in case. Sure. I know I know actors. They don't. They, they Harry's think. very on top of it and he wants to wear it all the time but you know he might take it off and set it somewhere and forget what he did exactly. with it so I always I had two backups and then there was a couple of times where they're like hey about that my... watch that you told us you had do you have him like yeah of course I do and like Harry couldn't tell the difference <laughs> he's like Are you sure this isn't my watch I'm like yeah no it's not your watch so <laughs> I always had backups and then even like with Chris I think he just I had his that watch and he just ended up picking just like a you know a leather band Rolex too, kinda like Harry's. So it was I always have to have backups. Absolutely. Like the last movie I just did, um the we ended up getting product placement and um I think I, I had like twenty tag watches for our main actor to choose from and he chose a twenty thousand dollar tag watch. And it ended up being like a, a prototype from Tag. I don't know uh, why they sent me a prototype one, but they're like, yeah, it's a very rare watch. So we'll try to get you another one. And they sent me another one. And it was it was uh, with Eddie. <laughs> so it, he, he comes on set very fast and leaves set very fast. So we always we had to have a game plan of how to you know capture those props from him. Um, and we did, <laughs> so it was, we never had any mishaps with that, which was nice. And he's an, he's a pro when it comes down to, you know, right. making sure people have their stuff back. So. Yeah. Wow, fantastic. Um, well, I want to get into everything everywhere all at once. Yeah. But before I do, I have to ask you about Sharknado 3. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, mean, I, I know you only did LA Unibit. I mean, just... No, I did the whole thing. Oh, did you? Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I did the whole thing. Whoa. Oh, my gosh. That was that was a, a weird movie. I would think I was Union at that time when I did that, too. Um, and I was like, oh, my gosh, Sharknado 3, this will be kind of fun. And I, I had already done, like, two or three movies with that production company. And mm. it was like, I mean, that was when I was first starting Sharknado out. Sharknado 3 was Union? No, it was uh, not. Okay. <laughs> um, was the like, second geez. one was because they filmed in New York. So we all thought it was going to be. And I just remember getting on the thing. I'm like, oh my gosh, like how much money do you need? I'm like, I don't know. I don't know how much. Uh, I got to make chainsaws and all this right. stuff. I don't, I'm, let me figure it out. Like, let me, and I ended up, I think I had like eight weeks of prep. Wow. For like that Whoa. movie. Um, and then because we were, we actually went down to Universal Studios in Orlando and, uh, it was like, it was like a trip because we were filming at the theme park. We had full access no matter what. Like we had like these cards, like they, I mean, basically is separated by just a metal gate that anybody can go in and out of, which was kind of scary, but I'm sure it's changed by now. But like we, we had full access, we had unlimited black, like we didn't even have to wait in lines because we could say that we were doing research on the rides. But like when we were there, we would just shut down the park right. and certain Ooh. aspects of yeah. it. Like we were filming in the twister ride, we were filming on the roller coaster, like, and it would just, we would just shut it down. So that was a lot of fun. Um, being like catered to if, like because we were filming at Universal Studios Orlando for Universal Studios Orlando I went with like I think I met the 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 CEO of 
Universal mm. at the time. He was in it, and I was like, met Crazy. him. I was like, this is cool. And then like I needed like props for the background to be actual people in the park. So I went and just like had like a shopping spree of like lanyards and bags and yeah. a lot of stuff that we had to show. But um, yeah, it was it was it was fun while we were there for two weeks, and then we came back, and it was like back to an asylum shoot. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. They ended up uh, trying to organize it. And it ended up shutting down. Uh, they ended up like we were at Blue Cloud Ranch, so like of course, we were all outside of the entrance to that. And um, they just, is Sharknado three the one with the picket line that yep, lasted forever? Yeah. Yep. yeah? Mm-hmm. Oh. Yeah. I remember that. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So well. if they would have probably, we had like a whole, we had like a a couple of scenes where we shot down at the Natural Natural History Museum. I feel like that would have been the perfect place to do it. <laughs> right. But it was like Mark Cuban was there, and like all these big people. Like they should have. If Mark Cuban would have saw that, he probably would have been like, what the heck, you guys? Come on, sign a union contract. Um, that was weird talking to him like a real person because he just he was there just to like be in it and like no everybody was afraid to talk to him but I'm like just sitting there chatting about right. where he came from how he started. He was really nice. <laughs> yeah, exactly because he's a human being. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, Sharknado three. <laughs> All right. So everywhere, everything, everywhere, all at once. That's right. Everything, yeah. everywhere, That's all at once. That's a great title. Um, <laughs> So how did you get involved with these people? Um, I got involved with them because the special effects coordinator on Blonde actually got hired on to do special effects for everything ever at once. And the production designer, Jason Casvarde, uh, they were looking for a prop master and um, they asked John. And they'd, they'd done a bunch of stuff with John in the past, so they kind of trusted his instincts. And I was actually in Hawaii on a vacation just like for a week and the art director reached out to me she's like yeah hey we got your name from john uh, we want to send you the script and reading it i think i went to the beach put up a hammock and just sat there and read this crazy story and it was it was so hard to take in the first time because it wasn't it wasn't a numbered script right and it they were still working out how to go through the different universes so it was like bing hot dog hands bing movie star <laughs> wow so it was like it was a little bit hard to follow i would imagine <laughs> And I'm like, oh, I don't know which universe I'm in at this time. But um, and then when I got back, I went and uh, sat down at the uh, the production office with Jason and uh, Amelia, our art director. And Jason didn't have a very good poker face because, like, I was taught, I was like, I love the script. Oh my god, I, I would love to. Die. I would die. You like, I really want you. I'm like, okay. <laughs> I was like, he's like, you have the energy that I know I need for this movie and you you knock it out of the park. I'm like, I would totally. This is an awesome, I love this adventure. It's like, you know, it starts out like the Matrix where it's just a normal person and normal people and then all of a sudden their lives get turned upside down and they right. have this adventure to figure out what was going on. And I was like, just, I, I think it would be so awesome. So I ended up, and then they offered me the job. Um, and then it was like getting to meet the Daniels. And I only had four weeks of prep. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, because I know that's that they're insane. generally low. Was it a low budget? It was, it was, it was a budget? tier three. Was oh, well, really? A million dollar movie or something like that. It yeah. was, well, it was uh, It was a tier three. It was on a tier three contract, but it was like 15.5 million, which right. I don't know how they got away with that. But <laughs> Some yeah. creative financing. Yeah. And, so uh, wait, you had four weeks of prep, but you had to build a lot of rubbers and stuff, right? I mean, did- I mean, yes and no. So <laughs> it was uh, I had I had two weeks of prep, and then we had we went down for two weeks for Christmas, mm-hmm. and then I when we came back from Christmas, I had another two weeks before we started filming. So I technically had like six. Um, I tried not to work over those two weeks, but I knew what they were doing. Sure. 
Um, but it was very, it was difficult because when I came in, I, they were like, you have $40,000. Like, what do you mean? I, and I was like, for no, the whole film? <laughs> for, the full, for the whole film. Oh my God. And I was like, no, uh, let me budget it first. Cause I just looking at this script, I know it's not going to cost that or it's going to cost more than that. And then inevitably, I think I ended up spending like 70. Mm-hmm. Um, but there was like, there was no room for fabrications really. It oh. was a lot of, uh, when I did the fabrications, um, I'd have like, Small stuff done here, um, like the trophies were all foam cast. It was actually cheaper to foam cast them and make replicas than it was to buy the actual trophy base and the right. the, the plug on the top. Really? Yeah. <laughs> it was Who just, cast them? Uh, oh, uh, I forget which company it was. Um, uh, a person in the valley. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> and they like they they hand hand painted them and did all that stuff. And a lot of the the things I'd I'd have them start and then. I couldn't have them finish them because it would be like, ah, it's costing more money. I'm like, okay, I'll take them back. I'll, I'll just piece them together myself. What's yeah. going to, what's going to make it cheaper? Well, if I don't assemble them, I'm like, okay, give me all the parts that you have and I'll put them together. Um, when we're ready to film it, because a lot of the stuff we'd have to, um, uh, like for the trophies, they, they had to go into a harness. So I was inevitably going to have to cut them up right. and make them safe anyway. So it was just easier for me to be able to have that freedom to move them around. And if I needed to use them or put them together, or if it mm-hmm. was a lot of this, it was almost all stunt stuff. So I, I would have yeah. to, um, because we were working on such a small budget, um, a lot of stuff I would, I would buy from like new rule effects. Mm-hmm. Oh, cool. It, yeah. Yeah. They, right. they were, they I've had rated them a couple times. Yeah, they, <laughs> they have a lot of stuff because if I, I, as much as I love ISS and being able to rent those sure. things, when you run a kit and they're being used and abused nine times out of 10, you'll, if you break it, then you basically have to buy it. Right. So it was, it was just a little bit cheaper to buy it and then have it painted to look real than it was to hopefully not break something. Yeah. Was this your first A24? film uh yes this was my first day 24 film with them okay um it was i feel like there was another person or another company involved that it wasn't um it just felt like a family <laughs> just from the beginning so it was well it, the, that really translates because i've seen you know in all of the press that the film got obviously i saw your face a lot mm-hmm. i mean and that's that's rare for a property master so you you connected pretty closely with these people yeah it was was really nice that they took you everywhere (laughs) i I love that yeah it was it was a family and um like jason like our art department they were all amazing and working with the daniels they they bring you in like you're part of that creative process because they they understand what it takes to make a film and they're you know as as much as they they just they kind of lean on you to like be that person like if they want something and they they know that if it's impossible, they want you to be able to be like, yeah, I really can't do it for this budget. And they're willing to work. Like, we'll rewrite it. Yeah, anything you want. Come up with the ideas. Like, we had, there was, like, the scene where they were in the executive office um, where all the verse jumpers started to do things. Like, somebody was, like, sitting on top of a, a fax machine. Like, a lot of those things were kind of, like, thought up in the the moment like sure like we would be like where is this person verse jumping from oh she came from her office fine she grabbed a lamp and smashed the end of it on a on the ground and now she's got a weapon uh that person has a flagpole and it's this (laughs) so like we would just have to come up with these different things and it was like okay well does it exist at a special effects place if i can get it and it's just this and they're holding their hand there's no reason to you know worry about this it was it was kind of just like coming up with things on the fly like the, the whole trophy thing um, I don't, that wasn't originally in the script. It was scripted as something else. And we kind of talked about it in the moment and it was supposed to be like a, a, uh, Padakti, the, 
the tax pterodactyl. <laughs> it was like a mascot that we had. I'm like, that would, I don't know. That doesn't feel <laughs> like something you'd want to uh, do that with. But uh, so like I, I ended up going and finding all these different um, uh, toys and uh, they were like, what if it's just a giant one? I was like, well, that seems impossible. Nose. Yeah, I'm like, that seems impossible. What if it's a tall one with the same one on top? Like, oh yeah, yeah, we like that. Well, that way it'll 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 stick out farther when they're using it to fight with. So it was a lot of like um, running with ideas right. and uh, coming up. I remember we were like, I was like, I have to have all these trophies made. Like, well, it'll probably be just like really obscure in the background. We don't really need to see one. Maybe you can just make it out of something. I was like, I'm not doing that. Like, we're not right. doing this. Um, <laughs> like it's going to be the thing. If it's it, it's going to be there. We'll have it. And I remember there was like a moment cause we, I think there was over 200 props in the film that we had to source and make and, you know, have it sure. ready to go. And there was like a, a scene where Jamie Lee like ripped a, a um, a paper cutter arm off and right. use it as a weapon. Oh, right. And, uh, so I, I was like, that was like something that I had budgeted for to have a paper cutter arm made out of foam and, and molded and all that stuff. And they were like, we don't need that. We'll just, that's one thing we need to cut out. I'm like, uh, well, it's still in the script as a paper cutter arm ripping off. I'm like, I'll figure out something. So it was a real paper cutter arm, took the blade off. Blade off yeah. yeah. And then just, it was cardboard wrapped in right. um, um, metal tape. Yeah, I've done that. <laughs> and, and, but Jamie was like very well aware that the, the, you know, the, my need for safe, safe props and yes. making sure everybody was happy. So she was like, Josh, is this our stunt version? I'm like, yes. Yeah. So, but it feels real. I'm like, yeah, this is the safest option. Yeah. She's like, oh, so we don't have a stunt version. Yeah. This is the real, like, and she, this is our safest <laughs> option that yeah. saved us $3,000. Yeah. So. <laughs> so she would, she would help me out. In those She's rest. a total pro. Yeah. <laughs> she knew what she was doing. So that's fantastic. <laughs> um, so like the googly eyes, was that scripted? It was, uh, it, it kind of turned into like, I, I had a ton of googly eyes. Cause I mean, you can only buy, you can't buy like four googly eyes. You yeah, have to right. buy like 4,000. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So like th- they were always at like our disposable and, uh, disposal and the Daniels would start just sticking them on things. And it was like, it turned into this, like, this is how Wayman fights. This is his, his quirky humor. So like sure. every, everybody would just stick googly eyes everywhere and they kind of were just on everything. And then when they exploded and bloop goes on her head and the bullet turns into that, it just, it kind of morphed into like a, a secondary character. Everything would get a life of its own when it had a googly eye on it. Right. It was, it was a, a fun little thing. Did they, uh, was it all storyboarded or a lot of it storyboarded? I mean, how did they keep track of it? I mean, I mean the script oh, supervisor yeah. and the first AD, man, I mean, they deserve rewards yes. themselves. I feel like it was storyboarded. I don't really remember. I spent a lot of time like repairing props. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the headsets were just, it was, I, that was something that I had to basically come up on, on my own because there was no budget for those. And um, I had to, I had to do a lot of that. So I, I relied on my assistants to always make sure we were on track sure. um, with what we were doing. And I also made sure that too, if there was any questions, I'd always just run to set and ask the Daniels. They were very helpful. They were, they knew that script like the back of their hand. It was their baby. And I love it when you get to work with a director that's very invested in their yeah. project because they know it. They know what they're doing. They know what the idea is. And sometimes you can sift through the sand and find mistakes or loopholes and you can bring that up to them. They're like, oh my gosh, you're right. Um, Let's just say this or let's go with yeah, this. Right. And then but they, they were obviously decent people and that oh, makes yeah. all the difference in the world. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, no, it's if you ever get a job to work with them, 
I'll be very jealous. One and two, also be. <laughs> You're going to get the first. <laughs> yeah, they they just know how to direct, and that's and they, it's not even that they know how to direct. They just they they create a workspace that is for everybody. Like you can be a PA, you have a job, you have right. a meaning, you have a you have a reason to be there, and they make everybody feel like your family, and that's what I love yeah, about make it. Make it feel less like a job. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh yeah, I mean, even the stresses that I had, it still was like a fun fun day to go to, even though I'd get there at 7am and it was for some reason already 7pm, 10 minutes later, it just still felt fun to go and like visit set and say hi to the crew and say hi to the cast. Sure. And get to hang you hear that a lot from about people who worked on like Swiss Army Man too. I hear, you hear lots of stories come out. That's just them making it a blast to work on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh yeah, we we actually never had a rap party for that movie yet. <laughs> Is that because of the COVID thing? Yeah, yeah because the of the COVID, COVID thing. thing. But I've I've gone and hung out with like Michelle and um, everybody. <laughs> we kind of just like get together on small little things. Didn't they rent out a theater for the Academy Awards for you guys to yeah. like watch it together yeah. at? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we were at the down in Chinatown. Um, there was a, a theater, and it was like a crew and um, family uh, get together. That's pretty rad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was. It was so much fun. Some of those people I hadn't seen since the pandemic. Right. And uh, it was just. It was a blast. It was getting to. It's it's one thing to like you know have your name read with a bunch of other people, but to actually win those awards. Yeah. It was just. It was everybody was crying. We're like we knew, we never ex, we never expected that, and it was that was the thing too. Like just to even be in those categories was right. enough, let alone to win. And it was just so magical. Yeah, I know you could see it in, in everybody's reaction. It was brilliant. Yeah, for and sure. No one deserved it more. <laughs> it was Michelle and Key just most amazing people in the world they have the biggest hearts like i went um michelle and key are in this new show um uh american born chinese mm. and uh, i'm really good friends with uh key and echo and i was texting his wife echo like hey i want to come see you guys i really want to come see you guys and uh Sydney and michelle we're actually production designing that oh cool uh, that <laughs> show so i was like two birds one stone i want to go see my friends and also see my friends and um, so uh, I think Michelle and Key both got COVID at some point and they had to reshoot their scenes. And it was actually the last day of filming. So I was like, I'm going to come to set and surprise Key. So I brought yellow roses and champagne just to, you know, sure. celebrate their last day. And uh, Key like lost his mind. He's like, Josh, oh my gosh, we have to go. Sh- we have to go see Michelle. She's over here. They like built this giant box like. <laughs> like it's a seclusion <laughs> zone for her because she's Michelle and she <laughs> she didn't want to be bothered. So like he's like Michelle, there's someone here that wants to see you, and she's like, not now, Key, I'm busy. She's like, no, it's one of our friends. Like uh-huh. she just screamed, Josh, oh my gosh! And they That's were just great. like parading me around, like introducing me to everybody, and it was just so much fun to get to hang out with them again. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> I so, love that. Yeah. Um, I wanted to ask you about the the. You know, paper props always stick out for me. So all those tax receipts, mm-hmm. was that something that set deck created or did you? Um, the on ones this? that were on Jamie's desk, I think a lot of those were my personal receipts. <laughs> <laughs> and they actually, I because I had kept a ton of them from, I think my previous, I think from Blonde. I had just, they were just receipts that I had. And then I would stack them and put uh, rubber bands on top and then, then there was like certain ones that I had created, like the the one where she circled it. That was actually one that I made, and then we just made copies of it. Mm. And then we would, I actually ran it through my printer precisely, and right. would just print them off so that she could redo it every single time. Um, but there was there were in the the IRS 
uh, when the the donut was going and all those papers were flying. That was like uh, there was like fifteen receipts that the Michelle Peters, our graphic designer, made, and those would just get circulated in different colors. Like right. I, I remember one day I walked in, so I'm like, did I, I I sat a stack of receipts here? Did anybody see it? They're like, oh my god! <laughs> like everybody started freaking out. I'm like, yeah, I'm just kidding. Was, I know better than that because any receipt pile was like it was just thrown into these giant Ritter fans and right. we just blow them everywhere. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, there was, I, I get so many people ask me, Hey, do you have a high res file of those receipts? And I'm like, I do, <laughs> but it's, I don't want people recreating that kind of stuff. So, <laughs> um, yeah, it was, it was so many receipts. And I think, uh, Jason, our production designer was actually getting tax audited. And so he was like, kind of, I ended up using some of his stuff. Cause he's like, yeah, I got the real stuff. They're actually nice. getting audited. So like, let's, uh, incorporate I'm like, yeah, that's cool. I'll, I'll definitely put that in there. So we would have like the right paperwork and. Um, giving Jamie her uh, ability to find the right stuff. And it was a lot of fun. <laughs> and now I know from the uh, panel discussion that you didn't build the hot dog fingers, but did you have any interaction with? Um, yeah, I didn't do the fingers. I didn't make the hands. That was uh, Jason Hammer, our uh, special effect. Uh, Jason's fantastic. <laughs> yeah, he's he's so great. And it was it was like one of those things I'm like, do I have to make the hand? Is that a prop? And then like come to find out like anything that was animatronic or like a, um, like a silicone based like action thing, they were, they were, they were knocking it out of the park. So like when I saw those the first time I was like, Oh my gosh, I wish I was doing it. And then special effects did the, it was, it was always like a weird like crossover. Like, is it a prop now? It's going in their mouth. Right. And, uh, and then I think our special effects people did the pumping of the mustard and ketchup through the fingers. They had like different sets of those. Um, and then Rakakuni, he was, a uh, he was, he was them too. Um, they made, they did the hot dog noodle boy or hot dog, uh, um, the elbow, elbow macaroni noodle boy. It never made it in the thing. It was I like see. this whole like storyline that Michelle was telling about the little, little noodle and the, when am I going to be, uh, a, a real noodle and it was like this whole <laughs> crazy world but yeah they did a lot of our, our puppeteering and stuff like that so they were they were awesome um <laughs> what that, was the uh, size of your crew it was me and then uh two <laughs> wow. yeah you and it ended up being me and three four weeks prep <laughs> yeah there <laughs> ended up insane. being two people on set because I, I i was like i we i can't keep running to set like i have so much stuff that i have to do sure and then our department got two on-set dressers. Like, this is the final straw. I'm like, yeah. I need two people on set. Especially, wow. they were like, oh, we're not going to do splinter units. And then, hey, splinter unit tomorrow. So we need all... I'm like, okay, then I need to bring someone in. I'm like, nope. I'm not going to come and run the set as much as I want to. I have so much work to do. Sure. And if you would have gave me more time to prep, I could have had this all prepped and not had to worry about it while we're filming. See, yeah, you're constantly <clears throat> building stuff on the truck throughout that. Yeah. I mean, at least with that one, it was it was nice because we were at the IRS building for like 20 days. Right. And um, the IRS building was actually an old Bank of America, like, mega complex. So, like, my prop office was actually the men's locker room. Oh, cool. <laughs> and then, like, this the special effects people were next door in the women's locker room. And then there was like a gym area and that was all makeup and hair. Oh, nice. <laughs> so we were all like interconnected in that room. Right. So if we had any questions, we could run around and then I just hop on a scooter and scoop my way to set. Cause right. it was like a shopping mall size building. So mm. Amazing. Yeah, it was a, well, I hope that their next film now that they all have Oscars, I they know. have more money. They're definitely going to. <laughs> yeah. To, and to I, I, I mean, cause it's such a double edged sword. I mean, it's such a hard place to be. You want to give them what they want, but they don't have, or they're saying they don't have. And I mean, it's just, I, yeah. I can never figure that part out is, you know, where, where to draw the line. Yeah. And I, I really hope that, 
because I've worked on stuff where it's like you need the approval from the studios for this script, this script. They want this. They want that. And with that movie, it wasn't never like that. It wasn't like A24 is like, yeah, they were really coming down on us. We need this. It was like, these are our parameters. We only have this amount of money. You can only do this. And right. we would, as and it was, it also was the double-edged sword of, we really like these projects. We really like these directors. Sure. And we want to make sure that it looks cool. So they were okay with like my children's refrigerator art <laughs> when right. I would make something and it weirdly felt like it was in there and I got to be creative and you know make up something on the fly like they want to add this I'm like it's, it looks like crap they're like no this is perfect we love this like this is right. awesome and so they, it, it was I the thing that I'm scared about is if they do get like a because I think they just signed a six picture deal with Universal whoa wow. <laughs> yeah like getting in there and then now it's like they're under the constraints of this. It's got to have these approvals. Like they, right. Cause they, they did, um, uh, they just directed a couple episodes of skeleton crew. Okay. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Wow. And that's a, that's a weird jump. Yeah. <laughs> I different. think they're being brought in on, on those projects, which is awesome. I'm very happy for them, but like talking to them, they're like, yeah, we were just kind of there to direct. We didn't really have. Well, our... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cause it's not their, sh- not yeah. even close to their show. Yeah. It's... <laughs> so I think what makes an, a Daniels film is having that creative freedom. Like, Right, doing whatever we want, and it's not a we have that power. It's the the weirdness of doing whatever you want, like, and also having your your crew having that freedom to like not spend two hundred thousand dollars as a you know just being under those constraints kind of makes you like squeeze the <laughs> as much juice out of the lemon as you can. Sure, and it makes a difference when everybody's under those constraints, mm-hmm. you know, oh, yeah. because you know, like when they're trying to you know squeeze you for overtime for your crew right. yet you see them burning money on the other side of the lot on some something ridiculous it's mm-hmm. like it's hard to get on board with that but but this sounded like it was yeah. a, a, a family affair mm-hmm. and everybody was tightening about you know and we can and they and i get that too you know yeah. for a smaller project but and I it mean, still feels the same when you do a big one like the last one i did was almost 200 million and you're still like trying to figure out how to be on budget but also go over budget and they understand why like you can still spend seventy thousand dollars on one prop and it still feels weird right and it's like has very little screen time and you're like that was a lot of time and effort and they're like why do you spend so much it's like i don't know i because that's what it took sure so i mean i think i i was over budget by a lot but it was a lot to do with um uh the production designer really liked how i made things and he would just like I'm going to move this piece to you. Like, okay, cool. I get get more creativity. I I honestly don't care. But, you know, when it comes down to it, you got to fight for my reason why I'm over budget. So, yeah, I will. And so what is your uh, manufacturer design? Do you, when you design props, you you draw them or? Um, I suck at drawing (laughs) and I'm not very good at 3D modeling. So when it comes to that kind of stuff, uh, like on the last movie um, that I was on, I came on and a lot of the pre-viz was done. Um, we were working with uh, Industrial Light and Magic. Mm-hmm. So we had a lot of, like, our hero kind of stuff was already conceptualized. And then I would have to take, like, I'm like, do you guys like this? Is this something you guys want to run with? They're like, yeah, we like that. Yeah, so it's I, already approved almost. Yeah, yeah. already right. approved by the studios. And um, But I would tweak, you know, just make sure that they liked it. And, like, we had some um hero stuff that was you know we didn't know what size it was yet but we had like this big version on on the board so i i have a 3d printer and i would just send it through that and sure. be like here's all your options of sizes which size do you want and then you know that would get sent off and like we had there was one thing that 
it was just like, <laughs> it was going to be, ended up being, going to be really expensive. And I had to bring it, I brought in a 3D modeler that would craft it. And then I'd have to have it 3D printed and uh, hand painted. There was a lot of that kind of stuff that would happen. And it was, it was so much fun. I mean, it's, it's for me, um, having things made, it's kind of few and far between just because especially when you have that kind of budget, it's like, this is what it's going to cost. And then it gets approved on something smaller. Like I would have had everything 3d printed and made and manufactured on everything. And just, there was no money for that. Um, so it was, it was fun to get to go down that route of, you know, working with there, you have it 3d. I don't know if you have a chance to work with them. No, I haven't. Uh Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't want, I don't want to give out that, that secret. Um, uh, <laughs> Uh, it's, uh, it's, it's fun to be able to craft something and like, like blow people's minds. Right. I hate, I hate pulling rabbits out of the hats. And there was a couple of those on this one. They're like, oh, I mean, if it's possible, I'm like, I'll see what I can do. And then I, I hand something that just blows their mind. They're like, what the, how did you, I'm like, oh, you don't want to ask. But in all reality, it was like, oh, I just know people, you know. (laughs) Exactly. So it's all about who we know. And it was because of, you know, I, when I got onto the job, I didn't know these people, but learning these, these people and they getting to become really good friends with them. Um, you know, you get to be able to turn something around really fast and, you know, having, you know, people in your back pocket does help. So it's, it's always fun to be able to create stuff like that. Absolutely. There, you know, and on this one, it was just, it was a, it was a Christmas movie and <laughs> oh boy, <laughs> I, I mean, I think our, our, um, production manager, I did euphoria with her and she was like, have you ever done a Christmas movie? I'm like, I've done segments with Christmas. Right. right like, exactly. But I also absolutely love Christmas. I go insanely <laughs> decorating. I've loved it forever. So, I mean, it's not like it's going to be something where I'm like, I hate it. I don't right. want to be here. I just, I loved it. It was, I mean, it, I got a little desensitized to Christmas stuff after a while. Sure. It was just like, Oh, more Christmas trees, balsam Hill, Christmas lights, LEDs. It was just like, I, I turned my, my, I had a almost 3000 square foot prop office and it was just like Santa's workshop. I just, Beautiful. everything was decorated with Christmas. I had a, a Christmas tree in the corner that we were throwing stuff on a red fur shag rug and just a giant seating area. Cause the director loved to sit and so did our DP. So they would come in there and just hang out and, yep. I was next to uh, Jen Pascal was our set decorator. So she was next door to me and we just go back. We were like having Christmas decorating competitions because they they buy so much stuff. So it was a fun experience. That is cool. (laughs) I mean, for me, decorating my office is like the first thing that I do. Mm -hmm. No matter how short the film is or TV show or whatever, I always do my office because you spend so much time in there. And it is a representation of who you are and what you're doing and you know, it, it, it's a good first impression, mm-hmm. you know, what to, for, you know, cause you do show and tells in there. And I yeah. mean, on, the, on winning time, we had the offices over at Universal and they had this in this long hallway with a uh, wardrobe and they had these three offices and, um, these, uh, cubicles outside of the office. And they're like, Oh, those, all three of those offices are yours. And then at the very end of the hall was this giant conference room. I'm like, what's that for? And they're like, I don't know. It's just like overflow. If we want to do meetings in there or whatever. I'm like, no, you need to give me that office. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'll give up these other offices. Yeah. I'll put my assistant in this one office. I said, but you could give those other offices to whoever. I said, because I have to do show and tells in here. Mm-hmm. And they're yeah. like, all right, fine. Turns out I had the best office of anybody on the show. Oh, definitely. I mean, because I had windows on all four corners. I mean, the thing was massive. 
you know, but I decorated it so great that, you know, people, again, they wanted to come in, they wanted to hang out. Yeah. The, the creator of the show came in, did one show and tell, and after that was like, that's it. I don't need to say anything else. Yeah. You know, and it was great. And you just had your area. <laughs> <laughs> I had yeah. my area. Yeah. yeah. My, when your wife is your coordinator, you don't really have a choice but to decorate. <laughs> Gets decorated for you. <laughs> that's brilliant. Wow. Um, so before we wrap it up, is, is there like a, a, uh, a project that you wish you can do or that you want to do that you're looking forward to doing um, or um, wish you had done? <laughs> I mean, I can't wait to work on a Marvel film. I absolutely love Marvel movies. I right. mean, it would be so fun to be like doing a Marvel movie with the Daniels <laughs> because, but I, I know there's like that, not, not a lot of creative freedom right. when it comes to doing stuff like that. Right. Um, Maybe like an original superhero movie would be mm. so much fun with the Daniels, like with like a big budget that right. we could run with. Like, I think that would be amazing. Maybe yeah. they start their own like Marvel universe of their own. Um, that would be fun. Like I, I, like I said, I like, I like when I get to read something that makes me instantly go online and try to do research yes. and figure out how I'm going to do it. Like a lot of the times you'll read your script and it's like, I don't even take a break through it. But when you read one where you're like, every other scene you're stopping to figure out how you're going to do this and researching who has this, who has that, who can make that and texting friends. Hey, I got this thing. Do you think you could do it? Yeah, no problem. And that's what I, that's, that's my, that's my dragon. Like chasing those is, and then something that pushes my crew versus my team to, you know, think outside the box. And if it it makes you go, how are we going to do this? That's the kind of thing that I like. I hate being like, Oh, I got to go buy sunglasses. I got to buy a watch. I got to get this. There's nothing else. Oh, it's a seafood buffet. Oh, great. Like (laughs) it's, it may not sound boring. I'm always grateful for work, but something that pushes me as a prop master is something. (laughs) Yeah. It's my dreams. (laughs) Brilliant. Mikey, do you have anything else? That's it. That's it. You feeling good? Yeah, I think so. I really appreciate you coming out. Yeah, thank you for having me. This has been a fun experience, and I always like talking. (laughs) Okay, well, I think you're going to do it again with Carissa, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, at some point. Yeah. Um, So that's back. That's going to be back here, too. Okay. Nice. We'll see you then. Yeah. Um, All right. That's it. All right. Well, thank you. Thank you, everybody else out there that's tuning in. Um, If this is your first time checking out Prop Talk, the official podcast of the Property Masters Guild, um, make sure that you subscribe and you like it wherever you're hearing it. Um, leave a little review. It definitely helps us. If you want more information on the Property Masters Guild or have any questions for us here at the show, um, make sure you go over to propertymastersguild.org or you can send us an email at info at propertymastersguild.org. Um, we're also on all the socials. Check us out on Instagram at underscore the PMG and we're on all the other, um, socials also just look for the property masters guild. Um, yep. Till next episode.